in the church's liturgical year after we finish up the Easter season, which we did two weeks ago, we resume what's called ordinary time. I think you remember not ordinary in the sense of blah or boring, ordinary from the Roman, from the Latin word for counting. We, our goal is to come together to the Eucharist every Sunday as the first day of the week to hear God's word, to pray together, and most importantly, to receive Jesus in the Eucharist if we can and then to go out and put what we've received here into practice, just one week at a time. First day of the week, receiving all of this, and then one week at a time, going out to put it into practice. So this year, most of the Sunday gospel readings are from the Gospel of Mark. We pick up today in the fourth chapter of Mark. In the first three chapters of Mark, we get an account of Jesus's public ministry beginning, the call of his first disciples, his going out and performing miraculous healings, physically and spiritually, in many, many people, and his teaching. The word of Jesus, the word, means all of the things he teaches people. But in those first three chapters, even though there's a constant reference to his teaching, there's not really much about the content of the teaching. The content begins in this fourth chapter. And the fourth chapter is all about the kingdom of God. I'm happy to say I think you all pretty much get this. The kingdom of God is the central theme of all of Jesus's teaching. It's what he fundamentally comes to announce and to bring about. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is the final stage of human history. It begins with him. This kingdom is the kingdom of God's love. It's the way people can enter into the fullness of God's love now on this planet and enter into this hopefully fully eternally. The kingdom of God is gonna last in this world until Jesus returns to bring human history to its completion, and the kingdom of God is going to become full in heaven. You guys with me here, with me here, with me here? So uh, a disciple of Jesus is someone who hears his word. And that word here, and I counted this week 13 references to that word here in just the fourth chapter of Mark. To hear the word of Jesus means not just to listen to it. It does mean to listen to it, but it means to work to understand it and then to put it into practice. To be a hearer of Jesus's word means to obey what he tells us to do. So I wanna be part of the kingdom of God. I enter this by becoming a hearer of the word, putting his love into practice. So if you're doing that, which I really do believe probably all or most of us are trying to do, Jesus says, gives us two parables this morning about what if you're actually living this, here are two different ways to know that you're living it, and also two big reminders. So I invite you to try to listen to these two parables, open this up when you go home, you can get the links on our social media, and just consider this week, day by day, what light do these parables shine for you on trying to live in this kingdom of God? So the first parable is the parable of the growing seed. Jesus says a man scatters seed. The man gets up, goes to bed, lives his life. Gradually over time, the seed grows and produces fruit. The man who scatters the seed does not understand how this works because he's not the one who's bringing the growth. The man may water, he may fertilize, he may weed, but the man 
just witnesses the process that the blade springs up, the ear appears, the grain appears in the ear, and then ultimately, when it's time for the harvest, he sees that, and he's got his sickle ready to harvest the grain. The man is very much part of this. He's an instrument in this process, but the man fundamentally is not the author of the grain of the seed growing into the fruit. He doesn't even fully understand it. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like that. The kingdom of God originates from God through Jesus. The kingdom of God grows on this planet only through God's grace. We don't invent the kingdom of God. We don't make the kingdom of God. God enters into our lives because God loves us so much, and the grace of God is what brings about God's kingdom. You and I are meant to be totally involved in this. We're supposed to be active instruments of the growth of the kingdom of God, but we're never supposed to think we're the origin of this or that we even need to understand the whole thing. Why does this matter? Life is meant to be, and if you become a disciple of Jesus, a huge adventure about the unfolding over time of the plans that God has for this world. I don't understand nearly most of this. I have no idea what the present or the future are meant to include. I'm meant to witness this emerge through God's grace in just a huge adventure. The people who are the most important to, or should be the most important to us in our lives, our children, you guys had everything to do with cooperating in their creation, but you're not their creator. You had no idea. I mean, look at these four crazy children you have who are so different. We had no idea what you guys were going to be like because, and we didn't understand any of it, because God is the one who created you, who built you, and we're just supposed to be attached to the process of your emerging into this world for the rest of your lives. This really matters because sometimes for understandable reasons, use the example of a family, I can think we have to be two good parents, and if we do good, if we try to follow Jesus, presumably they're going to turn out this way and that way. That's just crazy. We are attached to the process. We're supposed to be serving the process, but I have no idea what the results are going to be. Following me on this? Sometimes I can be very angry when I'm trying to be a good follower of Jesus and other people mess around with the good that I think should emerge from my life, from our community life, or when circumstances mess up everything. I can understandably be really upset. It may be upsetting, but the kingdom of God is not limited to the ways we mess it up. The kingdom of God is never limited to natural disaster or to nasty people. God works around all of it. There's a tremendous amount of liberation, at least for me, in that simple parable. I don't have to be so concerned with the details or the outcomes. I do not have to pretend to be so controlling. I can let go and enjoy the adventure of the mystery of the unfolding of God's plans. Second parable of two in that passage we just heard is the parable of the mustard seed. Jesus uses hyperbole in here, exaggeration, presumably to get our attention. He says the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. It's not. 
But yet, when it grows, it becomes the largest of plants. It doesn't. So presumably, if you're just using your brain 2,000 years ago or today, listening to Jesus, that little detail, he's trying to get your attention. Well, what is he talking about? It is true that a mustard seed grows into a much larger plant. And the key to understanding this is where Jesus says, birds of all kinds find shelter. That is probably a direct reference to the first reading we heard from Ezekiel. It's an Old Testament repeated image of a ginormous tree in which birds from all over the world find refuge. It's an image of a kingdom, a human kingdom, in which all kinds of people end up finding peace and protection and justice. The kingdom of God is directly like that. Think about this. When Jesus is first speaking, he's an itinerant preacher in the middle of nowhere. He's speaking to a ragtag band, small numbers of people who are actually hearing his word and trying to follow them, him. He's assuring them with absolute confidence that this kingdom of God I'm inviting you into, some small number of people, it is going to become a worldwide reality in which people of all kinds are going to find shelter. This is directly true. That small group of people end up going out to all the earth, and they, the kingdom of God ends up stretching around the entire planet. For all of our limitations, for all of our sinfulness with which we're very familiar, the disciples of Jesus Christ on this planet currently, through the small ways that we follow him, are the largest group of people on this planet caring for people on this planet. The disciples of Jesus in 2021 feed more people, educate more people, physically care for more people, bring justice into the lives of more people than any other group of people on the planet. It's just directly true. So, I mean, that's a wonder for which I'm thankful. It's also true about each of our lives. It's meant to be. I'll use the family example again. A grandfather did not produce, all of a sudden, the reality of a beautiful Christian family. A grandfather and a grandmother who chose day by day to forgive one another, to be merciful, to serve others, to have some dignity, to work for justice, those small choices end up growing through children, end up growing through grandchildren, and then you look back and you can see three or four generations alive at the three generations, usually, well, in Lawrence it could be six, alive at the same time, this big family tree of Jesus' love in which so many people are finding shelter and finding nourishment. Conclusion here is, the most important choices you and I are going to make today and each day of this week are not going to be curing cancer, coming up with a way to feed a million people automatically in Africa. The small choices we make to put into practice the teaching of Jesus, those small choices are the means through which the kingdom grows and grows and grows. The smallest true choices you, live, you make to live the love of Jesus Christ this week are the most important choices on the planet.